Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by Sarah Sewell, Executive Director of Down Syndrome Association of Central Oklahoma, whose mission is to raise awareness and provide resources, as well as promote acceptance and inclusion for people with Down Syndrome. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're so excited to be on your podcast today. Well, we always love opportunities to work with you guys, so I'm thrilled to have you here too. And I'd love to start off today by talking about people-first language. Can you explain for us what that is and why it's so important? You know, actually, people-first language, um, it actually does not identify the person um, first, it, or people first really identifies the person first. So actually, we want to treat everybody equally. So instead of saying, you know, she's deaf, deaf or that's a disabled person, you know, we want, we don't want to identify the problem. And for many years, people with disabilities were not identified as a person and they were identified as the problem first. So for instance, instead of saying, you know, she is handicapped or she is disabled, you would say she is a person with a disability. She is an individual who has Down syndrome. Um, a lot of times people wanna say, oh, there's a Downs kid. And you know, that's, that's kind of hurtful as, as a mom because my daughter has a name and she's a person first. So you know, we really try to educate the community on what people first language is and just how to use appropriate language to treat our children and to talk to them as an individual first instead of their diagnosis um, because that's not what's important and most of our kids don't always know what their diagnoses are and nor do they care um, they see that they have the same opportunity to see as anyone and that's exactly what our organization promotes our opportunities available to them in the community Thank you so much for that framework as we dive into that conversation. I think that that's so important and um, for us as parents to continue to learn and understand um, those kinds of implications and how we can all continue to do better. So Down Syndrome Association of Central Oklahoma offers so many programs, events, workshops for children and adults with Down Syndrome and for their parents and siblings too for those new and expecting parents of children with Down syndrome, what kinds of support and resources do you offer that group? Well, for our zero to age or actually a prenatal diagnosis, you know, the first thing we wanna do is just educate them and support them. There's a lot of information that you can read on the web that can be disconcerting. And to actually talk to an, a parent who's been down that journey um, several years and answer those questions, it's, it's brings, brings things to reality. And we offer a lot of support groups. We host workshops for them. We do a mommy mingle class, um, just kind of to uh, support them in whatever questions they have. We do a new parent breakfast quarterly to encourage all of our new families, you know, to attend that. And of course, you know, any of our other social events, because those first three years, it's really just kind of navigating 
through the system and understanding terminology because there's a lot of acronyms that are used out there that a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of things that our new families have to apply for. So it really takes a one-on-one -on -one kind of situation. So when we get that first phone call from a new mom or dad that had received a prenatal diagnosis or have just delivered a baby with Down syndrome, or maybe their child, they've moved here and they need some more resources. We try to pair them up with a parent mentor, someone who lives in their area, um, also someone who may have similar health issues as their child, just so that they can navigate through the same health implications that they did previously and talk to them about, I use this doctor for this situation, or here's how we handle this health issue. So it's more about you know pairing them up, providing those support and services, and then helping them apply for all the services they, they need for their child um, for that zero to age, uh, zero to three age group. That is so powerful that being able to provide that level of both education, but also connection and support with another parent. That's, that's really great that you guys do that. Um, we, so we provide them a new parent packet. Sometimes that can be a little overwhelming, um, especially after you've just given birth. You know, the last thing you want to do is sit down and read something. But I think having that one-on-one -on -one conversation over the phone or by text or email, whatever your communication method is, um, that seems to be really helpful for our new parents. I love that. That's so meaningful. Um, so, um, kind of the next age group in your elementary adventure club, I love the name of that. Tell us what this club provides for kids and their siblings too in this age group. So, elementary adventure club is uh, for three to 12 year olds. Those are in those elementary age years um, and their siblings and we just do fun activities. We'll have activities here at our office, craft days, uh, we'll make kits for different uh, things. We'll go out in the community and do different activities, whether it's swimming or tennis, or um, we've actually uh, going to the zoo in October for Down Syndrome Awareness Month. So we kind of just let the families decide what they would like to do um, and then kind of make our plans as far as activities and things that they're um, affiliated with. And of course, we're always looking for um, new adventures for them to you know, do in the community. And hopefully with this group, they'll be doing some volunteering as well um, for some future things in, in, in the spring as things get a little bit safer. That's so great. And then as kids become teenagers and transition into adulthood, you offer programs like the always popular Kylie's Kitchen and self-advocacy workshops. So how, how are you helping this age group in particular gain confidence and independence and then also provide support and resources to their families as well? So this is a, an age group, you know, you think that things get a little bit easier as your child grows older, but there are actually more things to be aware of and be attentive to. Um, for instance, you know, we uh, talk to our families during this age group about puberty and sexuality. We actually are hosting a sexuality workshop virtually next Saturday because those are things we really need to talk about with our kids and for our parents to understand um, in, in talking with our individuals about that. Um, so the workshops are really helpful. We've been able to keep those going virtually you know, during the pandemic, but really with this age group, it's like you said, it's like building confidence and helping them hone in on their independency skills, but finding out at this age, what it is they really like to do, 
What it is do they want to be when they grow up? And how can we implement um, programs and services to train them in order to be successful? So for instance, I'll give you an example. My daughter wants to become a baker. She's 15. So she's really active in the 4-H program in Cleveland County. And so we do a lot of baking and cooking through that. And um, hopefully one of these days, she'll be able to do her transition job in high school, you know, at a bakery and, you know, go on to maybe um, a Votech center to learn more cooking skills. Um, so it's just things like that. It's just instilling in them, what is it that you want to do? And I think our workshops help frame that and help them, um, you know, also learn some independency and not so much like bathing, washing, those come natural. Yes, as parents, we do teach those things, but our workshops focus more on budgeting your money, how to open a bank account. Um, we did um, a self-advocacy workshop on self-defense, you know, being aware of your surroundings, which was eye-opening, especially with social media coming into play. All of our kids want to friend everyone. So it was an eye-opening experience to us and, the, and our parents, like, we really need to kind of monitor this and just talk through with our self-advocates what that means when you're friending somebody on Facebook and do you really know them. Um, our kids are very relational, so they want to always build a relationship with someone, but is it an appropriate relationship to have? So really having those adult conversations early on are really, really helpful. So we try to just frame our workshops to focus more on what the kids need at that particular time for each age group as or each stage in life as they you know develop and grow and sometimes those might change on a whim um, we've decided this next year that we are going to do our workshops every month just to have some more interaction with our self-advocates so that they can see each other and it can also be more of a social opportunity for them as well we were hosting them like two weeks in, in february so this will actually get them um, and, and they'll have lessons that they'll have to do and bring back each month as well so it'll be kind of like a, a long-term class that's so that's so great and you guys really focus and cover such a variety of topics that I know are not only super helpful for those self-advocates but for their families too who are going through that transition of helping their children become more independent and and that means as parents we have to give up a little bit of control um, yes. So I love that you really help the whole family walk through that process. And I, you know, I will say we encourage our parents to drop off for any of our programs for our teen and adults and not stay. And the kids will tell mom and dad, like, bye, or their caregiver, <laughs> bye, don't stay, I don't want you here. And that really says a lot because they really want to do this by themselves and for themselves and they learn better when they're one-on-one -on -one with us. And, you know, I have to give a shout out because if it weren't for our great volunteer base that we have, you know, they're really the core to our organization to help our self-advocates and really all of our kids develop and grow um, and just giving them a chance and an opportunity. And uh, we really appreciate all our volunteers. You guys do have an incredible volunteer team. Um, I have had the distinct honor over the years of interviewing several of your self-advocates about not just the what they get out of your programs, but even going beyond that, ways that they are spreading awareness, promoting inclusion, and advocating in the community to make um, Oklahoma City a better place for everyone. 
What does it feel like for you when you see those teens or young adults making that kind of an impact? It's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. And I think more importantly, it's really reassuring and provides a lot of hope for our younger parents who are just starting the journey. When they see a self-advocate out in the community giving speeches or talking about um, legislative actions or you know, contacting you know, community leaders to support them in whatever way it was. I will say this, our self-advocates um, always speak their mind, are always honest and truthful, and I can't imagine, those are the best qualities to have as a human being anyway, and they eloquently talk about you know, having Down syndrome and what that means and, and sharing their stories of how they were treated but how they overcame, you know, those issues and where they are today. And it's just an amazing experience to see them flourish and, you know, strive for new goals. Here's the thing with adults with Down syndrome. They achieve one goal and they're on to the next one. And that's what's so encouraging. And I'll tell you, and, and very inspirational. And, you know, working here and the staff will tell you the same thing. We are so inspired by our self-advocates because they are so determined. They are the best workers. They don't like to call in sick. Um, they are very determined. Um, you know, the most loyal employees you could ever have. And those are true things. Um, and I'm just so proud of them and what they do. And, you know, they're, they're our best spokesperson uh, for sure. And you're right, they are providing a lot of hope to a lot of people. And for me, they interviewing self-advocates is they're hands down my favorite interviews in, in my journalistic career. Um, it's, it's incredible to watch how committed they are, not just to advocating for themselves, but to advocating for others and, and knowing that they are providing that sense of hope, like you said, to parents of, of young children with Down syndrome, that um, there's a great big world out there and they're gonna be able to accomplish whatever they set their minds to. It's so powerful. And we have several of our self-advocates who serve on national boards and who are not afraid to call up their congressman and say, hey, I need you to vote on this bill today. And how many of us would do that? How many of us would have the courage to do this? And they do. And that's what's so inspiring and something we appreciate so much in their service. You know, they actually turn into volunteers for us. Um, and so it's kind of a give back, you know, it comes to a circle and that's what, that's what really is so uplifting and humbling about the job and working for them. That's incredible. So I'm going to ask this next question, knowing that obviously all children and individuals with Down syndrome have their own unique and special qualities. But for our parents of typically developing kids, can you give us just some general tips for them to help kids understand some of the special qualities and challenges that a child with Down syndrome might face and how to just encourage those kids to interact with a classmate or friend who has Down syndrome. Well, I would say first things first, teach them people first language. Tell them to treat them as the person they are and not their disability. Um, you know, Down syndrome you can see, some other diagnoses you cannot. And so we all probably, we all have some disability, right? So, you know, 
teach them to call them by their name and to hone in on their strengths, what they're good at, not focus on what they're not good at. Um, because again, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. You know, patience, I would say, um, especially if it's an, an early learner, um, being patient with that, that individual, that child, just being kind, just being nice to them. I mean, that doesn't really take a whole lot of effort. Um, but, you know, if you do have, if you do know that there is a child in your child, uh, your child classroom that has a disability, explain what that means to them. You know, they're, they're going to ask a lot of questions, which is typically normal. So just explain what Down syndrome is. If you don't know, call us. We have lots of books to share and talk about those situations. Um, but explaining, using people first language, you know, being very patient. And, you know, I, I say this because as parents, we get our feelings hurt a lot when our children are treated differently. So just treat them for the person that they are. And, you know, speak with your actions. If you're going to invite them to the birthday party, say that you're going to invite them, then invite them to the birthday party. Our kids get excluded from activities all the time because parents are afraid, well, they might not be able to, you know, swim with us at this birthday party. If not, let the parent make that decision of the person who has a disability. Don't make that for them. Um, because nine times out of 10, the mom and dad are gonna bring them and they'll have the accommodations for them, whether it's a life vest or floaties or whatever it might be. Um, but you know, I would just say, you know, do what, you're, do what you say you're gonna do and, and not just kind of invite them to invite them, but you know, speak with your actions. And you know, don't treat them like a victim. We're not, they're not a victim. And my daughter doesn't suffer from Down syndrome. It's just a condition that she has, but she has a lot of abilities and she's such a really kind, um, sweet kid. So, you know, again, honing in on their strengths and, you know, being their, the shoulder that they can lean on, being a really good friend. But I think just, you know, going back to being genuine and kind really hits, hits it home for us. That is such great advice and really great advice for us to teach our kids in all instances, no matter who is in their classroom. Um, and great advice for parents too. I, I love what you said about just invite them and just include them and, um, and, and don't get so hung up on what accommodations they may or may not need. Um, those are great questions. I think, you know, kids, kids, especially young kids are, um, they ask a lot of questions <laughs> and sometimes as parents, we get embarrassed or worried about the questions that they ask. Um, and we can certainly, as parents, teach them to ask questions appropriately and at the right time. But I think in general, parents could, could certainly learn uh, some good lessons from our kids that it's okay to be curious, it's okay to ask questions appropriately, um, and, and to create those relationships. And I think I'll add to, you know, don't stare. If you have a question, if you're curious about something, just ask. We're going to answer you. I mean, because we know you're probably curious, and that's okay. You know, we want you to know who our child is from the inside out, and that I think that's what's most important. We get a lot of stares um, and a lot of you know, oh, you know, whispers. Just don't do that. Just ask us the question that you're curious about. You know. Uh, when Kirsten was younger, we would go to restaurants and people would always stare at her while she ate. And I always found that, you know, it just broke my heart because, you know, even though she, she took a lot of time to eat and 
and she did eat in different ways. Um, it wasn't abnormal to us because we noticed it every day. And I really just wish those people that were staring would just come over and ask or just say, you know, I noticed your daughter has, has Down syndrome and, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about her? What does she like to do? And what's her name? You know, start with those simple questions um, and just avoid the stares. That's great advice and really kind of goes back to that, that people first um, language and um, looking at those as children as unique and special individuals rather than whatever behaviors you might be seeing. Thank you for that, that's really important. So one of your biggest fundraisers is coming up that helps you provide all the wonderful resources, programs, and support you offer. It will be September 25th. It is the Down Syndrome Festival and 5K, and the festival is free to attend. Tell us some more about what you have planned for this special day. So it's September 25th, it's on a Saturday. It'll be at the Myriad Botanical Gardens. Uh, first off, we have free parking just on the south side of the Myriad, so you can park right off uh, Reno Avenue, pull in our 5K, and this year we have a fun run that will begin at 8 o'clock, and then our 5K will start immediately after that. So the, fun run, the one mile fun run is something that's new that everybody can, you know, come out and run and, or walk if, if you can't make the mile uh, run. Um, and then, our, of course, our 5K is a USATF sanctioned race. Um, that will start right there on Sheridan and um, in close to Hudson Boulevard. So we invite everybody to come out. It's $40 to run um, in the race, and you'll get a free t-shirt along with that. Our deadline for, for that is September 10th. You can still register after September 10th. Um, that just ensures that you get a t-shirt with our race. Um, and of course, everybody that participates in the race will also get a, a medal as they cross the finish line. So we're really excited about that. I think the mayor's going to join us um, for our awareness walk and race. So we're always excited to have Mayor Holt join us. And then um, after the 5K race, we will start our awareness walk. And it's just a quick little walk around uh, John Rex Charter School around the block there. And um, after that walk, we will open up the Myriad Lawns for our festival activities. And this year we have a lot of different games and entertainment. Um, we have several vendors who will be joining us. Um, we, but the, some of the entertainment includes some inflatables. We'll have some carnival games. We have a DJ, so big dance party, um, as well as some other activities that some vendors will be supplying. Um, we might even have some cornhole games going on. Uh, we are selling raffles. We have quite a few raffles and you can see all of those um, raffle items on our website, which is dsfestivalin5k.com. And our raffles are $5 each. And we have, they range from different packages to a staycation and self-care. Um, but we've got lots of things, you know, packaged with those. All of our raffles um, are about $1,000 total um, in value. So uh, you'll definitely get your money's worth if you buy a $5 raffle ticket and win for sure. Um, and uh, we're just really excited that we get to have the event. Last year we had to have a car parade in lieu of our awareness walk. So we're looking forward to seeing all of our families um, come out as safely as possible to those that feel that they can and participate in our awareness walk and 
5K. We will be corralling our 5K runners, so we'll do those in segments just to keep social distancing guidelines as the city permit has asked us to do. Um, our staff and volunteers will all be wearing masks. We will have sanitation stations throughout the Myriad Gardens for those that would like to use those. Um, and we're just hoping for a great, you know, fun day outside. Um, and we would love for everybody to come out and uh, join us. Our families will be there with their smiling faces and all their fun t-shirts with their teams and their team logos. And um, we're just really looking forward to it. It's really such an uplifting event. And the festival is open to anyone and everyone. Even if folks can't participate in the, the race, they can still come out for the festival and enjoy those activities, right? Absolutely, those are all free. And we would love as many people as possible to join us in walking for acceptance and inclusion and promoting you know, individuals with Down syndrome and all their abilities. And, um, as we like to say on that day, we're supporting the 21st chromosome and it's pretty amazing to see um, all the people that come out and support us and join in our efforts and support our cause. Absolutely. And I know it's um, really meaningful for yourself advocates and for their families as well to see um, folks come out in support of them. Yes, our self advocates are going to be giving out cotton candy. They're running the cotton candy machine. So at least come it. out and get some cotton candy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so Sarah, tell us how many families do you typically serve in a year? And then in addition to the festival and run, what are some other ways that people can get involved? So we serve about 900 families in the central Oklahoma area. Um, there is another affiliate association in the Tulsa area and we work closely with them because we don't want to turn anybody away that you know, is starting their journey of raising a child with Down syndrome. Um, we do have families out in Western Oklahoma that we support and we try to do things with them virtually. A lot of them drive in for programs and services and a lot of them spend the weekend with us during our festival. So they're definitely, you know, engaged in our organization. Um, but about 900 to 1,000 families we serve, you know, on, um, on average, we receive about 25 new parent diag or new diagnoses a year. Um, so we try to support all of those new families um, with those uh, programs and services and basically support that I mentioned earlier. Um, and a couple of things that we do is we have free tutoring for our elementary age kids. Um, that's a service that we're look always looking for volunteers for. You had mentioned Kylie's Kitchen, which is our microwave-based cooking class. It's a program we host here in our office it's every Friday night from six to eight. Um, we have had to split up those Fridays just to keep them distanced out during the pandemic. And we were able to offer those virtually. So those are some of the hands-on um, programs that we do. Throughout the year, we host several different fundraising events. Um, this year, uh, we are launching a fashion show, which will take place in February. So we're always looking for volunteers to help us with that. It should be lots of fun. And that's a committee that you could serve on. Um, and then we have our golf tournament in April. And of course, World Down Syndrome Day, which is March 21st, 321, to represent the third uh, replication of the 21st chromosome. 
Uh, we'll have activities and events um, around that uh, around that day to celebrate um, our loved ones with Down syndrome. So those are kind of the fundraising activities that we have. We still sell our calendars and it's more of an awareness tool, but we have our calendars if anybody would like to sell those. Um, and of course, with all of our fundraising events, we have committees that volunteers can serve on and we would welcome anybody that has expertise in those areas to join us. Um, and then throughout the year, we do some social events. Um, in the fall, we'll host a um, kind of a Halloween fall party for our self-advocates. And we typically hold a holiday gathering in December. We have an Easter extravaganza um, in April. And then we usually try to do some activity in June to uh, with our dads group that was one of the groups i didn't mention earlier we have dads appreciating down syndrome dads and they're a group of dads and they do a lot of fun activities we're kind of regenerating that group in october and so look for some um, exciting things to come with our dads group and um, we're really excited to see what they can come up with um, so those are kind of like the more social events that we have you know, for all of our families some of the targeted things I mentioned earlier, the mommy mingle classes that we do, our workshop series that we'll do monthly with our self-advocates, we'll need help with those. And all of those um, activities and events are posted on our website. You can click on upcoming events and click on the volunteer link from there. Um, or if you're simply just looking for some hours or would like to you know, come and help in our office, we always have lots of things to do. Um, for instance, today we're sorting t-shirts for the festival to try to figure out you know, what we're gonna do with leftover t-shirts that we've had over the last 20 years. Um, so there's always something to do here, um, whether it's working one-on-one -on -one with an individual or working with us in general, we would love to have volunteers come and help us um, in whatever capacity they, they need. And we do have students that come in and help quite a bit that need to fulfill hours for classes, whether they're you know going to some type of therapy or special education or education in general, uh, we try to work with those students in classes so that they can get those practicum hours. There are lots of really great ways to plug in for whatever amount of time somebody has to serve, whatever their special talents are that they could bring to the organization. Lots of great options. Um, so the pandemic obviously has created stress on all of our families in addition to just a general lack of normalcy and lack of structure. But we know that for families with kids who have special needs, the challenges are so much greater. How is the organization helping the families you serve cope right now? And where are you finding hope? Yeah, it's a really tough situation because, um, you know, we have a lot of our kids that just can't go to school right now. It's just their parents don't feel that it's safe, especially if they're unable um, to receive the vaccine or they may can't receive the vaccine for medical reasons or other things. So um, we highly encourage that, you know, everybody to do what they feel is best for them and their family, of course. And a couple of things we have continued to do, we've offered tutoring virtually. Karen Wallace is our special education teacher and she has been working around the clock, um, helping our families modify curriculum for their IEPs, helping with curriculum items, finding you know, modifications that um, they can use for virtual school um, and what that looks like. Um, and actually we decided September we would do tutoring uh, virtually just to 
uh, make sure that she stays safe and our individuals that are doing in-person tutoring, which are now virtual, um, you know, stay safe. So we've tried to make all of our programs virtual, whether it's, you know, tutoring. Um, a couple of things we did last, this last year is um, we had a virtual dance party, virtual dance classes. We did all of our workshops virtually. We hosted a, a workshop with Dr. Domek here on the vaccine for questions when that came out, what, what parents may have. Um, so that was really helpful for those that were choosing that route. Um, and, you know, here recently we've offered a couple of virtual um, sessions on getting on the wait list, the developmental disabilities wait list. Um, and then just, you know, how to apply for things virtually because not only have, um, you know, did school go virtually and other things, you can't go indoors and fill out applications with um, Social Security and DHS. So all that had to go virtually as well. As well. I did hear today or last night that, so Sooner Start is a program designed for zero to three age children for anybody that has a developmental delay qualifies, which is all of our, our families and children. Um, and they were trying to do virtual therapy. And I heard yesterday that they're actually starting in person now. So um, that's great for those uh, families that have newborns that were not receiving those in-person services. Um, and that was, you know, efforts from our area of advocating that, you know, in-person would be great for, for those families that are choosing that. Um, but we, we had teen hangouts. Remember I mentioned our kids are very relational. So we decided to just have a Zoom meeting where they all could just chat and talk and just connect. And some of those lasted for about two and a half hours, which was great um, for them. Because remember our teen and adults after they graduate from high school, if they're not interacting day to day, they get really depressed. Um, so we tried to do those as much and as often as we could um, so that people didn't get burned out with Zoom. <laughs> but we, we did do Kylie's Kitchen virtually. We, you know, set up in our kitchens and uh, we provided kits. If those that wanted to come by and get the supplies for the recipes could drop by the office and pick those up um, or they could buy those on, on their own. We tried to make the recipes designed of things that you probably would have in your pantry versus having to go out and buy special items since some of those things were not on the shelves. Um, so those, we just tried to modify and do as much as we could, you can and could um, in, you know, virtually versus in person. Um, and it seemed to work. And now we've kind of opened things back up slowly and safely. And uh, we're hoping that we can start offering more of our workshops you know, in person. I think the disconnect is, you know, our parents not being able to communicate regularly and having those support group meetings on a regular basis um, and just not being able to be together to talk through things and hug on one another and lean on each other when we when we do need those supports. And um, but I will say, you know, we've taken a lot of phone calls over the last year. Um, there have been a lot of challenges that I never thought we would face as an organization um, financially, but we've been able to pretty much overcome some of those. We're hoping, you know, this year is a different financial uh, aspect for us, but who knows what the future holds. We're, we're doing okay as far as our festival goes, but you never know um, when things might, you know, take a 
a turn for the South. So uh, we're, we're really fortunate in the fact that we work really, really hard with a little bit of money and every dollar goes towards our families um, in as far as our administrative costs. And we're really proud of that. And, and I just have to say, you know, as part of this, um, our board has been extremely supportive of everything that we've been doing and our board has really stepped up you know to fill in those gaps when we couldn't get volunteers in and and i think that's key or you know you've got to have a good board and a good support system you know to make an organization like this uh continue to be successful in such times as you know a pandemic you guys have done an incredible job getting creative to continue to do the great things you do and, and support the families you support. Um, and I'll, I'll just give a call out to our listeners to look at some ways to help support Down Syndrome Association of Central Oklahoma, whether that's financially or, or with your time or, or going out to the festival just so you can see in person the incredible work that this organization does for families. I promise you, you come and drink the Kool-Aid as we say in our office and you'll want more Kool-Aid because our kids are amazing. You can't say no to them. Um, and once you are hooked and you, you are a part of us, you are our family. Absolutely. We, we don't turn anybody away. We welcome everyone. And I think, um, you know, our self-advocates are a true testament and can speak volumes to how uh, how to be successful and, and really what we stand for. You just have to see them out in the workforce or doing whatever it is they love. And, and I have to say, you know, um, we received a grant uh, this past year for uh, fitness kits for our self-advocates. So we bought them kettlebells and weights and uh, timers to, or, uh, to run with. And those have been great. And it's funny because I wasn't sure how many, you know, students would participate in the fitness kits and we bought 20 thinking mm, we might have a few left over posted it within two hours they were all gone and so we had a little bit of money left over from the grant and so we went out and bought more posted it again and again they were all gone within a matter of of a couple of hours so it just goes to show you how important just little things like that are to our self-advocates and we designed a group me for them to communicate with us on their workouts they got a notebook that they're logging and so hopefully all those um uh workout kids will come and join us for the festival because the goal is for them to run with us on september 25th so i'm really excited to see their faces um, in September. Um, so it just goes to show you even things outside of the office really have an impact and I really have a need. Um, something that we didn't know and we all know working out makes us all feel better. Um, but it also provided them a way to engage with their uh, other self-advocates, even through a group me app. And it became a challenge in some, like I did this workout, did you do it too? And um, so there are ways you can get creative and um, engage your uh, community other than, you know, doing virtual Zoom all the time. That's such a great example. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah, and for all the wonderful work that you do. Yes, thank you so much. and. Again, if anybody wants to volunteer with us, you can go to dsaco.org and click on the volunteer link in any upcoming events. Um, but other than that, just give us a call. We'll be happy to get you signed up.
Absolutely. And I encourage all of our listeners to head to dsaco.org and find out how you can plug in. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.